Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running freemanfurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Maker Mom podcast. We have made it a year. I can hardly believe it. I'm super excited, super grateful and thankful to all of you who um, have been listening to the podcast and sticking with me on this journey and hope to see you continue on. Hope that you're loving the content that's getting put out with all of these awesome women, these awesome makers sharing their story about, you know, making and about parenting, all that kinds of stuff. Um, and if there's anything you really want to see in this upcoming year, as we move into year two, let me know, shoot me a direct message on Instagram or, uh, an email or whatever. Just let me know what you're thinking, what's on your mind. Um, make sure that you're following along with the Maker Mom podcast on Instagram. That's at Maker Mom podcast. Uh, the link in the bio there will get you all sorts of places. We'll get you to the show notes so that you can follow along with all of these wonderful women. And uh, also there's a link there to shoot you over to Patreon uh, to join the Maker Mom podcast tribe. There's all kinds of different tier levels, the lowest being just a dollar a month, so $12 a year. Uh, that money is greatly appreciated. I appreciate all of the patrons of the podcast. You help keep making this possible by helping to offset, you know, costs for editing and costs for uh, putting this out there, just publishing it. So thank you very much to all of you for that as well. All right, so I've been leading up to this episode, right? This is kind of the best of or the highlights reel of the last year. Um, we're going to have quite a few of the moms on here in this episode. I really struggled narrowing down the list, um, but I managed to. So the first maker mom is Tamisha with uh, tools and Toolbox Divas. I'm sorry, Tamisha with Toolbox Divas. And um, she, her original episode was episode 36. So if you have not listened to episode 36 and you find yourself cracking up laughing as much as I did in this episode with her, uh, with these little snippets, please pause, go back, listen to the whole episode. You will not be sorry that you did so. So first up, uh, Tamisha with Toolbox Divas originally episode 36. Uh, there's quite a few clips that I put together. Um, so, you know, if you're like, whoa, wait, you know, we were talking about something else. Well, I just wanted to put kind of the highlights of her episode up here. So here we go. Tamisha, if you will go ahead and give a brief introduction of yourself. So everybody listening knows who you are, what you do. Oh my gosh. I suck 
when it comes to like talking about myself and introducing myself. <laughs> but uh, hi, I'm Tamisha. I am uh, the owner and senior editor, I guess, of Toolbox Divas. It's a blog I started about six, seven years ago. I kind of lost track of time and mommy brain is really kicking in, which I don't really believe in yet. So, but it's really starting to mess with me. <laughs> And um, I'm a DIY home improvement blogger. We do uh, anything from home care to woodworking and, and crafts, especially when it's cold outside. <laughs> we do a lot of crafts. <laughs> awesome. And you're, so since you said it's cold outside, I'm, you're on the East Coast, correct? So you actually get no, winter time? Not <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not that cold now. <laughs> no, no. But. You actually do get winter, right? Like snow and yes. stuff. And okay. uh, so around <laughs> December to January, there it's just freezing. Freezing. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the Midwest, so yes, it is. Yeah. It is. Your winter might be a little longer and a little harder. Yeah, we got that whole polar vortex thing this last winter. Oh yeah. Yeah, where we got like a re all record low of like I think it was like negative fifty two. Or something yeah, like that. it was like uh, dangerous to be outside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like school was canceled and stuff because, like, yeah, all that fun stuff. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, um, normally I would say like, how many kiddos do you have and how old they are? But since you just came out with your announcement, um, <laughs> I, I would say my 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 daughter is six months in the making. <laughs> there you go. There we go. <laughs> Well, um, welcome to the Maker Moms Club, and uh, Mommy Brain, you will totally believe in it by the time you have that child. <laughs> Every time I confuse something and mix dates up and mix names up, I'm like, no, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Yes, it is a thing. I'm sorry. It is a thing. Well, I grew up, I'm a country girl. I grew up in outside of Charleston County, uh, outside of Charleston in Charleston County in South Carolina, and I grew up in like rural deep south <laughs> and um like where the nearest the nearest store a stoplight was maybe 30 minutes away <laughs> yes and so um it was it was fun because i was outside all the time video games was not a thing <laughs> and now that i look back i think that maybe my parents might have been kind of neglectful because they let me play with a lot of tools a lot of things we were always trying to build a clubhouse every summer. It never failed. And I remember it was so bad. So we were using, remember those um, uh, uh, silos? Is it called? I don't know what is it called. Um, a, like, um, they, they're the predecessor to like a weed whacker. Oh, Sleep. yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. taking those, trying to cut a path through the woods so <laughs> that I could make a path to make my perfect uh, 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 tree house, or on the ground, rather. And I remember cutting off my toenail. <laughs> so that kind of, like, sums up my childhood. My mom and dad let me play with a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have. All right, but obviously it sounds like uh, you were definitely into the building early. I mean, it sounds like that was kind of yes. something you wanted to do. <laughs> I, I was I was always trying to make something. <laughs> I would make a mess, but yeah, I was yeah. always trying yeah. to do something. 
right. So post high school, did you go to college? Yeah, um, I went to the University of South Carolina, um, where I first originally studied acting. I wanted to be an actress. And I went, I went away to New York, and I discovered Wall Street. <laughs> I came back, and I changed my major and went into banking from there. So you're going you're gonna to be rich and famous, both? I was going to be, <laughs> like, the next big thing. <laughs> well, maybe you're just the next big thing in making. Well, that... Uh, Yes. That will do it. Okay. Um, all right. So how long have you been like, you know, more of an official maker? Like when did you start um, kind of make, I don't know if the same, if it happened at the same time, like making and blogging or like what was that journey or that transition? So I really started getting back into making and, and carpentry. I would say carpentry before like, is carpentry kind of considered like a maker? So I really started. I think so. I think so. Yeah. So when I bought my first house, I was 23 and I bought this house. It was, it was, it was a new house, a new construction down South because you know, in the country down South, you could really buy like anything really cheap. (laughs) So it was my first house and I was like, but I, I I spent all my money and I had no money left for like little things like um, I wanted to do. So I started trying to fix up the kitchen to make it look less build a grade. And I tried my first attempt at trying to put in um, fencing. Didn't go so well. <laughs> I think I even, when I sold the house, I sold it with the fencing material still in the garage. And, <laughs> and I did crown molding. I did all these things to the house um, just to make it more mine. And that, that's really when it, when it really st- came back. And I started really going after it. And I'd always done this for quite some time, but it wasn't until I was maybe in my, um, like maybe 10 years later, um, and working on a fixer-upper that I bought when I moved up north to the D.C. area, that it came to me that I should, like, start blogging. But my blog didn't start out as a blog, actually. My blog started out as a DIY coaching service. And, uh, okay. I'm going to have to make you pause there. Like (laughs) DIY coaching service. A, how'd you get that idea? Because my friends were always asking me to help them do everything. Right. And they were constantly just feeding me in food. And I'm like, look, I I don't need more food. (laughs) (laughs) And and in, in the DC area, I mean, there was also a lot of women that were single. We were young professionals that and the guys around here, they did not know anything about anything household or anything like domestic. <laughs> they weren't like your Southern dudes. And um, so we kind of like had, well, I kind of had to like fend for myself and try and make things work because because of the cost of living, um, hiring a handyman for everything was just not practical. And I thought, and I felt like other women were in the same situation. So I wanted to offer my services to them. Um, however, I read something later on Google that in order for my Google SEO to pick up, I needed to blog and to change the format of my website often. So I started talking about some of the projects that I was doing in my house. And then before you knew it, I was blogging. I was like, oh, oh, okay. That's what that is. (laughs) So, okay. So blogging. So that's about, you said about. 
10 years after you kind of started getting into making again, but yeah. where is that in relation to now? Like, I mean, was it, was blogging still kind of like the it thing or like the new thing to do? It was a little past the new, it was kind of like still kind of new to people, but um, it was a little past. I mean, there were a lot, there were a good number of people in the, like Anna White was huge. Mm-hmm already and that was like Anna White um uh Jen Woodhouse and like Jamie Castiglio and Sandra from Sawdust Girls they are their sites and oh and 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 um Brittany from Pretty Handy Girl mm-hmm. like their websites I used to always go to and I never really realized at the time that that was really blogging but I would always go to find like different useful tips and um yeah, so it was a little bit before everyone started really getting into blogging. Okay. Okay. Um, was there any at any time you were like at any time did you question whether this was something you wanted to do, like that you wanted to put your time and effort into doing? No, this is a passion. If this okay. wasn't a passion, I would not be doing this. Yep. <laughs> for me, I could carry it for me like especially in the beginning, it didn't matter whether or not I made a dime. In mm-hmm. fact, for every dime I made, I spent two. Right. <laughs> just two? Are you sure just two? Maybe a little more than two. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, obviously, uh, you have tool experience from your childhood. We could sit here and debate on whether that was the appropriate time or not to have that access to those tools <laughs> or not. But I, I probably <laughs> won't be as lenient with my daughter. <laughs> Um, but, uh, when did you, I mean, when did you start kind of like collecting and gaining your own, your own tools for your own work? Um, so it probably started when I, so I ended up taking carpentry classes after grad school. I went to community college and studied carpentry and it was right about then that I actually started, um, buying more and more tools. Before I had the basics, I always had the basics, uh, but it was carpentry school that pushed me to to like pique my interest, and we would use, use all these different tools in class, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, why is this so manual? There has to be a better option, so, <laughs> so I would go out, and in fact, my professor and I, we would actually battle about that. I'm like, why do you have us doing this the manual way? He's like, this is because this is how you learn. I'm like, what? No, we need to do something different. This <laughs> is it has to be an easier way. And so I would go to pawn shops and buy stuff on sale um, and haggle with the guy. <laughs> All right. So what, like, back in those early days, what was, like, the tool that when you bought it, you were like, yes, I finally have this? <laughs> it might have been... Um, so the tool that I hate the most and I find the scariest, probably it probably would be the, the table saw. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> I had to build myself up to doing it because the table saw was something that I literally hate. I would, when I was a banker, I had clients of 20 years in woodworking that would cut their fingers off. And, and my uncle, my uncle's a cabinet maker, and he had some close calls. And I was just like, ah, this table saw I hate, <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build up the nerves to, to use it. <laughs> um all right so 
Okay, so we know you were gifting yourself the DeWalt track saw. Yes, what else like, is on your like wish list of things you're like one day? <laughs> one day. Oh, this is a lot. It, it grows every day. <laughs> I see something new. Um, one day I need to get I need to get a lathe. Um, I saw a used one that I want to check out. So uh, I think I'm gonna try and check that out. <laughs> yeah, I will say. Have you turned before? I have. Um, yeah. Uh, but did, what I mean, did it look like anything other than a penis? Um, <laughs> I would say no, but <laughs> it was a good first try. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Could I? Uh, was the, was the, I didn't ask if that was appropriate to say. <laughs> that sorry. is totally okay. <laughs> oh, okay. But you just like, yeah, I'm trying to take a deep breath and like be able to ask a question because, yeah. Anyways, what would you say has been your, like, biggest challenge doing the, both, like, doing the full-time nine-to-five gig, or maybe, like, eight-to-five or seven-to-five, however many hours you work in a day, plus, plus, I mean, you know, running your own business uh, with the, the DIY blogging. Like, what's been your biggest challenge so far with just that? Um, finding time for me. Finding time to just relax. And I don't, I don't rest. And uh, I need to. Mm-hmm. And that's just always a struggle because it's just not in my nature. So because- <laughs> I have to ask. Okay, so you're, you're getting into your third trimester. You're starting your third trimester. I'm in my third. Yeah, I'm basically there. All right. So, is baby girl making you rest? Is she kicking your she butt enough? Me some days. So yes. some days, like I have to just sleep, and I, in my naps, I could do like ten minute, fifteen minute naps. No, now my naps are like, oh my gosh, it's eleven o'clock. When did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> so I might as well just stay in bed. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, has that been a challenge? Like that has to- been a challenge. To yeah. listen to your body and say, all right, fine. <laughs> like, yes. And like last week, my family and I, we were in Barcelona and they wanted to just keep going, going, going. And there were days where I would just go so hard that the next day I couldn't do anything but sit and sleep. <laughs> I just, I <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I should have done a different baby move, like to Hawaii or something. <laughs> like this this is not relaxing (laughs) (laughs) okay but i do have to ask i do have to ask how'd you come up with toolbox divas oh okay so i'm like a super beyonce fan And one you know, day, I might, I might just this once make this like a video release in a <laughs> like audio because everybody who's listening, you need to have seen that move. <laughs> you just made when you said you were a Beyonce fan. <laughs> I mean, I've only been to like eight concerts, maybe nine, only. So, <laughs> so I was in my car. Um, and I was listening to Diva and I was like just jamming. I was like, Diva is a female. I was like, oh my gosh, that is my name. 
<laughs> and I was like, I am a toolbox diva. <laughs> I love it. I love every bit of that story. I want all women to be toolbox divas. That's so right. That was how it came about. <laughs> awesome. I love every part of that. All right. So again, that was Tamisha with Toolbox Divas. Um, Her original full-length episode is episode 36. So again, if you want to hear everything she had to say during the interview, go check out episode 36. All right. Our next mom is Brandy Obey. She was episode number four originally. And Brandy is an unstoppable unstoppable force when it comes to making. She is uh, a welder, metal fabricator, um, furniture maker, upholsterer, just staircase builder, everything. Um, So again, here's just snippets from her episode, episode four. If you want to listen to the whole thing, uh, when you're done listening to the snippets, hit pause, go back, listen to episode four. Again, you will not regret it. Brandy. Uh, welcome to Maker Mom Podcast. Thank you for agreeing to uh, for be a guest. You. Yes. And so to start with, I just like to have the Maker Moms do a little introduction of yourself. Like, what type of things do you make? Um, you know, what's your, your family life situation? Is it a side hustle? And all of that good stuff. So can you give a little introduction on yourself? My name is Brandy Obey. I'm uh, from down south in Louisiana, way down south in Louisiana. I'm sure you can tell through my accent. We live in a region called Acadiana. A lot of French-speaking people. Um, my mom and dad are fluent in French. Different types of French, Creole French, um, Cajun French. There's a difference. Um, so if you detect an accent, that's why. <clears throat> so I am a primarily metal worker. Um, I've been doing it for 18 years, 18 years ago, I learned to weld. Um, so I would say that I'm a maker, a crafter, an artist and a DIYer all, all together. I have, uh, one child, a boy named Nick and he's six and a half years old and a husband and two dogs. And, uh, we live in a house that we built ourselves and, uh, that was about seven years ago, and now I have a dream shop out right outside my uh, door. So it's pretty awesome. So, okay, so sounds like, at least exposure-wise, your childhood probably definitely helped prime you for, you know, getting into making. Yes. Uh, and you said, so you said in your introduction, so you've been welding for 18 years, but I also know you sew, right? Yes. <laughs> And let me tell you why I picked up sewing. There was a time, there, there's, there's been several times in my life where, you know, I've ha- I had my equipment, but I didn't have a space to work in. So, you know, there were periods of time where my equipment was stored. So I needed to do something. <laughs> so uh, I taught myself how to sew uh, because my mother, every time I would call and ask, Hey, I need to do this. How do you do that? I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so I learned from books and good old LPV sewing with Nancy. She, she recently passed away, but it was a good, uh, resource, you know, and I don't, I, I've tried sewing garments. It's really not worth it, <laughs> you know? So, uh, 
so I would sew everything except garments. And, I, and uh, so a period of time, that's what I was doing. And I had, um, I had products in, in boutiques around uh, our area. So, you know, it kept my hands busy. Right. Even though, um, you know, I feel like every, every day or every m- month that would go by, where, where I wasn't, I didn't have access to my tools. I just felt that I wasn't growing as far mm-hmm. as my skills. And, you know, I thought, oh, I'll forget how to do everything, <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> right, right. So, okay. So did you like, you know, I've never really even asked you this question, but did you uh, go to college? I uh, did. Okay. Yes, I did. Let's, let's go back a bit. Um, <laughs> so in high school, I, I never took an art class at all. I did as a child. My aunt realized that you know, she's, she's talented. She took me to an, uh, an oil painting class, which was fun. Another, you know, another one of my dad's sisters, crafty. Everyone around me. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so I didn't take any, anything until I was a senior in high school. It was an art appreciation class. And my teacher was like, oh, you're talented. You know, we were on a college preparatory course. We, um, so we didn't have electives like shop class and, and all, all of that. You know, we, we were more focused on college prep. So um, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I got to college. I really thought about not going to college and you know, going to a trade school, it just felt more like me. Well, um, so I started uh, at UL Lafayette. Um, I started as an undeclared science major. And uh, my mom worked at the university. She retired from the university. She was a secretary in the nursing department. And uh, so the brand new catalog had come out. (laughs) You know, I feel like it's a you know, when you're 18 years old, they hand you this catalog here, choose a career. These are, this is what we offer. So uh, nothing really spoke to me at all. Uh, however, it was the first year that a, a, a program called industrial design was offered officially. So she, she found it and she said, I, I really think this is, this is for you. So I went and talked to the department head and it was. It was really early in, um, in the program. This was 1994. Uh, so, <laughs> so I stayed in for three and a half years. And uh, at that point, I was like, you know, these people are really not preparing me f- to go and work at a, at a firm, a design firm. It was, we didn't even ha- require any, any computer classes, any CAD nothing, you know, and we were still, I don't know, you know, a lot of the design theory is all, um, how do I say this? (laughs) It's all conceptual. There's no, we're not, we're going to make an actual product now, you know, it's all, I don't know. So I I made a hard decision and I got out. I had, I changed my major to general studies. I still had to get out and, and, you know, whatever I had, a year and a half or a year left. <clears throat> so I switched to general studies and uh, took some industrial technology courses, CAD. Um, 
entrepreneurial management, just a lot of things that I never would have been exposed to. And those were the most valuable classes of all, you know? I, I don't regret my design background at all. It really changed the way I think about things, you know, and my eye for scale and detail. And so, yeah, it, it, it took, it took, brought me out of my shell because I was really, really, really shy. Uh, even though at 17 and 15, my sister and I were singing in band, in a band, you know, in dive bars and whatnot, we were painfully shy. It was probably hard to watch it was so <laughs> we were so shy and scared <laughs> and it showed but uh so being in college and you know we had to have a project we had to defend our design every day you know you learn to get over your public speaking fears a little um so that brought me out of my shell so then i graduated and then just started working and i got hired based on those two autocad classes that i took in college you know so and then yeah, worked. yeah. and then worked and um uh a classmate and i actually started dating an industrial design classmate and he had a welding machine oh. uh, this is where it all began <laughs> and uh we were living in Baton Rouge at the time. He was getting his master's degree in architecture. And um, so he's like, go for it. <laughs> he's like, I can't really teach you how. You just, just set it correctly. You'll get the feel for it. And, you know, there was no YouTube back then. Um, it was in 99. No YouTube. No way to learn except just do it. And I'm telling you, I don't even remember. I just did it all the time. And I did it. You know, I do a little bit of forging. I do, you know, I, I never look back from there. So this was in 2009. I was laid off. So, you know, I was sewing and, and doing little things. And by no means earning a, a, an income. But, you know, so I, it was at that time that uh, we started designing our, our home. So I, I spent most of my time doing that. And then we started building and we were living in a rent house at the time so I did not I hadn't at that point I hadn't had my welding machine or my equipment uh, accessible to me uh, so we packed up the rent house we borrowed a camper and pulled it on the uh, property where we where we live and uh, the shop was built we made sure that the shop was built first so we had a place to store our, our things and uh, then we began working on the house and two weeks after we were there I found out I was expecting <laughs> so I panicked I was like this can't happen right now I had plans for to build a staircase to build oh you know we were going to do most of the work in here um and so I I called my husband crying I was like <laughs> look and the reason we decided to have, we were always on the fence about having children. Um, I don't know. Uh, eh, I don't know. So then I lost my last two living grandparents within six months of each other. And I also had always said, listen, I, I really don't want to do any of that after I'm 35. 35 is my cutoff. If it hasn't happened, then it's not happening. So, you know, 
after my, my grandparents passed away, I was like, you know, it really makes you think about life and what, what you leave behind. And uh, I said, is this it? <laughs> you know, is this all there is to it? So we decided we would start uh, trying and it didn't take long. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we, we got pregnant with our son right at the beginning of building our home. So I finally was going to have the dream shop, but no time. <laughs> I had an infant to take care of. But uh, I, I did have a great, a great pregnancy and um, I welded throughout. I built the, the staircase in our home, um, all sorts of things. Everything in, in the home is, in our home is either made by me or flea market finds, refinished, reupholstered. The only one, the one and only piece of furniture that we have ever purchased together, new, is a sofa. That's it. Everything, so I learned to, re uh, to do some upholstery work too. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you've, so you've already kind of hit on it a little bit about, you know, maybe the challenges to overcome being a uh, female in kind of a traditionally male-dominated field. Um, but do you feel, it sounds like you feel like the tide is turning on that. Like maybe there's a bit more women who are specifically like who are welding. Um, yeah. Um, I've found a lot like working with, uh, designers around here. They're so excited to have found me, a female, you know, welding. Um, plus I have a design background, you know, I'm not just a welder. I can communicate with them. Um, you know, one I'm working with now, we have a, you know, a very similar style. So we get each other. He's, he tells me all the time, I'm so happy I found you. <laughs> um, you know, and I've worked in, in manufacturing since I graduated college. And so, and so I'm always around men, always, you know, um, I'm comfortable there now. You know, it doesn't bother me. I, I can hold my own. They're not disrespectful for the most part. <laughs> um, I mean, most, most of them think it's cool what I do. Um, cause it's a very specific, you know, it's a specific thing that I do, you know, furniture and other things, you know, it's, it's not something they would, they would even attempt to do. So. Um, and then, the, of course, the maker community is just wonderful and supportive of everyone. Oh, there's so many things that I, I, I don't know. I love, I don't know, every day I'm like, I couldn't live without this tool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boy, this is really nice to have. Uh, you know what, too? I, um, uh, recently, pretty recently, I built uh, a welding table, a four by eight welding table that's really nice to have before I built before let me tell you I was using <laughs> sawhorses and MDF because I you know I'd always intended on build now that I had the shop I was going to build a, a full-size welding table I was yeah I, I built this staircase on a piece of MDF and some sawhorses so having this welding table is so nice. I can weld up jigs straight onto the table, you know, uh, ground it. It's not ideal to ground the table. You want to ground your workpiece, but 
I can, you know, if I'm doing something that I can't uh, quite ground to. So super nice. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about the grounding. Um, I guess the very, very limited experience I have with welding, I've always grounded to the table. Like I've always, so you can't do that with MDF. No, no, <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> so I would get very creative about uh, the, how I would or where I could. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just, you've got small pieces that you can't, if you clamp right. onto it, it'll just mess up your, uh, your jig or your uh, fitting. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes you have to get creative <laughs> about how you ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you you will get a better weld if you grind uh, ground directly to the workpiece that oh. you're welding. And I mean, I guess I would imagine like if you're doing some like a big like table base or something, it's probably I wouldn't say easy, but easier to find a spot to ground to ground yourself to. Yes, exactly. Um, all right, so I've got one more question for you for the end of the show, and that is if you met a mom who wanted to start making, again, that'd be crafting, sewing, welding, woodworking, but uh, maybe lacked the confidence or was hesitant to kind of just jump in and get started, what would be some words of advice that you would give her? I would say try everything. If, it, if you feel moved to do it, do it. Um, there's so, like I said earlier, <clears throat> there's so many different ways to learn now. You know, we've got YouTube. We've got people willing to help. We've got a community you can ask questions to. Um, you know, l- try it. Try everything. You know, you don't know what's going uh, to feel right. You don't know if you're good at it in, until you try. So get in there, girl. (laughs) All right. So again, that was Brandy Obey from episode four. Um, Super awesome to chat with her. Uh, She's definitely become a close friend as well. And she is extraordinarily gifted when it comes to metalwork. So Uh, definitely if you're not following her, you really need to be for sure. Now, before we go on to um, the rest of our maker moms in this best hits episode, we'll have a word with our sponsor. Hello, maker moms. This week's episode is sponsored by Carolina Boots. As most of you know, one of the most important tools a maker can have is a good pair of work boots. Carolina Boots has been making safety footwear for Maker Moms since 1963. And you can get 10% off your very own pair by visiting carolinashoe.com and using coupon code MAKERMOM10 at checkout. These boots are made for function, not fashion, and they are built for her work. All right, so our next Maker Mom up is Alma with Pink Soul Studios. I think most of you know her pretty well because she makes great products that a lot of our maker community uses, like custom push sticks and mallets and all kinds of cool and interesting stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I thought to myself, you know, there's no way can't include Alma in our uh, kind of top slash greatest hits of the last years uh of maker mom so here we go here is alma pink soul studios um okay so we'll go ahead and get started if you could just give like a little bit of an introduction 
about uh, who you are, things you like to make, and a little bit about your, your family. Uh, yeah, my name is Alma. I have a, I, I, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom uh, first, and then I started to do this woodworking thing a few years back um, and came up with Pink Soul Studios. And basically, I just like, I like making anything. I, I mean, I pretty much think I can make anything. Um, I realize that I'm better at making things out of wood. I feel like it's more accessible. So, um, yeah, I like making home decor stuff, uh, furniture. Um, really, I'll try anything. So, yeah. And how many kiddos do you have? Uh, I have one. Um, okay. He is five. He'll be six in uh, August. All right. Well, let's go kind of like back a ways. What was your childhood like? What kind of things were you interested in? Um, you know, did your family play a role in some of that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, I, I came from a pretty artistic home. I, my mom is really artistic and my grandfather was more of like the DIYer before it was like really DIY, right? Like he was always into something and he never wanted to spend money. So I think I get a little bit from the two, you know, um, and, and um, like my grandmother was really into music and, and also being, you know, creative. Um, so from a very young age, like I think I was in kindergarten, like five, when I decided that I would be an artist you know and that's I didn't know what that really meant I just really loved to like paint I had an easel and um so I wanted to be an artist and um you know my my whole family always encouraged that throughout my whole life growing up um I don't know that any of us knew what it really meant um you know it was like oh she wants to be an artist cool you know um and you know no one uh really no one discouraged me um so I actually went to um I went to college for graphic design. Um, I didn't finish because it was too much, just too much structure. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I kind of have that, a little bit of that background. And then, and then just being around, like growing up with my grandfather um, and him showing me a lot of, you know, how to do things. And um, I was in my 20s, early 20s when I got to spend time with him and help him uh, with stuff. But um, yeah, I've always just thought I could make stuff. And I think it was because of my family always encouraging me. Like they never, there was never an issue of like, you can't do that. You know, you're a girl and you can't do that. You're too small. You know, it was, oh, okay, here, here's a paintbrush or here, here's a hammer. Um, it was never a big deal. So, and you know, my mom always encouraged me as well growing up. She was a, a single mom. So um, it was just her and I uh, for majority of my life. Um, and then she was, she got remarried. Um, I believe I was like 13 when they married. Um, and so my stepfather now, he also was always really handy. And in my twenties, I became uh, really into the art scene in Detroit. I, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. And so I, I was really in the art scene there and uh, they were just really key in helping me uh, develop and always helping me with installations or um, things that I was building at the time. And I started out building with uh, building kind of refurbishing furniture. So taking furniture that I found and then kind of building on that and then painting furniture. And um, I had a really cool name that I, I thought was really cool, was, uh, the art of furniture reincarnation. Um, and so I did a couple of different art shows and art galleries 
throughout Detroit. Um, it's probably in the mid, uh, early to mid nineties into the 2000s, somewhere around there that I did um, a lot of art shows and uh, kind of traveled around Detroit and Michigan and did that. So yeah, my dad um, helped me with a lot of those and kind of taught me how to use the big power tools. And again, he was, he never discouraged me. He had one of those really scary craftsmen uh, table saws with no guards or anything. It was really tiny. And he would just say, okay, just put it on there. You just push it through. And um, like, all right, I'm just, okay, we're doing this now, you know? And so there was never like that hesitation, you know, um, growing up. Um, and then once I got older and, you know, purchased my first house, it was uh, the same as like a lot of us makers, you know, we, we, want things that we necessarily can't necessarily afford right then and we're like wait I can totally make that you know so that whole idea has always stuck in my head again like where I'm like why would I pay two thousand dollars for this bed I totally make that you know for you know two hundred dollars or whatever um so yeah that's that's where I'm at <laughs> that's where have I'm you, at <laughs> have you always felt like a pull towards working with wood versus you know like you said you got into the art scene was there any other mediums that you really enjoyed working with um yeah I mean I I do I still like painting um I don't do it as often as I would like to um now it's a matter of just time um so that that the aspect of like what should what's going to come first you know but every once in a while I still pull out my brushes and, and I like to paint um, and, um, I've, you know, dabbled in a little bit of welding. Um, it's just having the room to have everything that I want to do. Um, but no, I mean, mostly what stuck was the woodworking. Like, um, I found that I just, I really liked that. It was, it was so much more accessible at the time too. And then there was that need to like build furniture really, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I would guess painting would be like the second one. Um, that I would, that I really like doing. So did the whole like selling through Instagram just kind of like, was that ever your goal or did that just happen? Like you said, like you, you made something, put it up and then people had interest in it. Yeah. It, um, it just kind of happened. And I, I don't remember what, I think like the real, when I realized that it was, it could be a thing was, um, was when I created custom push sticks right like anybody can make a push stick um but I had a CNC and I hadn't really seen people do that where they were you know offering to put someone else's logo on a push stick so that was kind of the first idea I I got so many of those orders um and it, and it was great um but for me then like it wasn't a goal that I had set out originally it's just something that I saw that started to happen and you know the makers in this community are so generous and they are always so willing to help other makers which i think is amazing you know um because you know once they see that idea you can you can do that yourself like anybody again then they can make their own custom push stick with their own logo uh, but the then it became I, I feel like they wanted me to make it you know um so it, it then became a goal i guess for me to get to that ten thousand mark and Instagram, you know, the, the whole unlock that Easter egg of, of getting the swipe up. Um, I think that was really my only goal. Once I just, once I realized that I was getting more orders for, you know, became push sticks and mallets and then now squares and 
things that were like customized, right? Um, then I was like, that that's gonna be my goal because then I can add a swipe up feature for people to go directly to that link to purchase, right? Um, I, I've made other small things uh, too where, um, was it the, I made like a faux river, epoxy river with like a little succulent. Um, and that was really huge. Like I actually sold a couple of them. I didn't realize that I would, um, but I got people from all over the US and really all over the world. Like I sold one to, I think he was a sheik in Dubai. Um, he had me ship it to Ohio because I'm like, I can't ship to Dubai. Um, but is this guy, this a sheik that, that uh, races these fancy cars and he just loved that little epoxy uh, plant. So um, yeah, I, I shipped it to him and he sent me photos and that's when I realized like, wow, this is really something that I should kind of start to, uh, you know, really focus on. Um, and so I tried to like, you know, stylize things that I think might sell or make sure that my, you know, my page, my bio page looks, you know, decent enough that people are going to want to like scroll through and see things um, from all over the world. So, um, yes, never really was set out to be my goal, but now it is, I guess. Okay. Agree with all of those things. And I just know I like personally, you know, I struggle and probably the biggest struggle I have is trying not to compare to like, okay, this person just joined Instagram three months ago. I've been on here for two years and they're already at like 15 K and like, you know, trying not to let that kind of uh, discourage me um, from what I am doing. So I started focusing more on like, okay, maybe I have about 3,500 followers, but most of them like really engage with me and I'd right. I'd rather have that than have 10,000 and like only know a couple of those followers like yeah I'd rather have the community and like really um yeah really build something around it that's real versus you know reaching these huge numbers and not knowing anybody or anything like that yeah, I mean, I think it's hard when we, we're always on the app, right? Like looking at other things and you see what um, what other people are putting out there and, and, and how they're putting things out there, right? Like first it's like what they're putting out there and you're like, wait, they're, that's what they do? And then you see how they're putting out, they're like, oh, that's how they're getting it, right? Like, and we all know like there's different ways to get followers. But again, like, is that what we really want? Like a, a lot of us, I think, get really hung up on the number and but it's, it's tough, you know, when, when you're trying to build a business and you see, like, like you said, there's, you know, three months go by and this person's at, you know, 15, 20,000 and you're like, wait, come on, like, what am I doing? But you don't know what they're doing and how they're running their Instagram, right? Like, we've all heard of how people buy followers. And, and to me, I could care less. Like, if that's how you want to get your followers, um, then so be it. Um, if you want to get your followers by you know, not wearing much clothing, then, then that's another way that you can get your followers. If you want to do it by a giveaway, like, you know, there's some makers that they came in, you know, like gangbusters, like just giving stuff away. Um, and now they're at, you know, a hundred thousand or whatever, you know, they're, they're at this high number. And it's like, well, I don't want to just give a bunch of stuff away either, you know? Um, so it's just, 
it's tough, but I think at the end of the day, like it's, it's, what do you want to, to show? And like, you know, are you proud of what you're putting out there? You know, is, are, are you really proud of it? And I mean, that's, that's where I look at it from, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Like you said, that authentic piece, right? You've got to be real to you because otherwise you, A, you can't maintain it or keep it up Mm -hmm. if you're not being real about it. Um, All right. So let's talk a little bit of shop. Um, So what was the first tool you had in your own shop? Um, I don't know. It was so long ago. (laughs) Um, First tool, I think, I think it was, you know, back in early, oh God, I'm going to date myself here. I think it was early 2000. I think that's when I bought my first house. Um, I was in my early twenties and I bought when Ryobi was still blue, like the blue and yellow, I bought like their giant kit for like, it was like an $800 kit that I got on sale, right. For like 300 bucks. And it had, you know, the circular, the tiny circular saw and the, the giant, um, drill and impact driver. And they were so heavy. Um, and it came with everything I needed to like be a DIY warrior, you know? Um, so that was probably, that was my first set that I purchased on my own. Um, and it lasted years. I actually, I actually just sold it, I think two years ago at a yard sale for like the whole kit. I had everything, like the bag still and everything. Um, and ba- I had brand new batteries that, that, uh, again, still it worked great. Um, but I sold it for like 50 bucks. <laughs> and made this guy super happy like he didn't have any tools so I was really happy um but yeah that's that's where I started um so what do you hope that your son uh learns from you know watching you be a maker and and now watching you kind of turn this into a business um I mean I hope he's he I hope he wants to make stuff you know and and learn kind of that I like the idea of like I you always hear people talking now I think really about uh like the trade dying and and there's such a, a need for people to go into the trade world um and I I feel like being a maker that's kind of part of it so um I want him to be able to know that he can problem solve you know everyday things you know and whether it's you know building something that he wants because he can't afford it or, you know, whatever, or building something just because he thinks he can. He came up with it and designed it in his head, you know. Um, and, yeah, I think as a the business part of it, like, seeing me be successful and knowing that he can do that as well, you know, he can be whatever he wants, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would be your advice to a mom who wants to tackle a new skill such as making or DIY or crafting and is hesitant uh, to kind of take that leap? Um, my, I, my advice would first just, I think it's easy to say to just do it right to, to uh, women or anyone um, moms, especially I think it's easy to just say to do it, but I, I feel like, 
the easiest way would be to um, like figure out what you want to do first and, and do a little bit of research on it and then find that community that's going to help you get there. Whether again, it's on Instagram, which I believe is a really great um, community for help and, you know, getting people started and, and dishing out advice, right? Like I think everyone there is, is really great, but if that's not the route, then find that local community that's going to help you. You know, there's tons of classes everywhere to show you how to make things and YouTube's also really great. But I feel like once you know what you want to do as a maker, then a little bit of research um, and then reaching out to find the people that, that can help you get there. Um, you know, other than just saying like, just do it, just get out there and do it. You're going to make mistakes. Like we all know that, but you know, I think it starts with like doing a little bit of research and knowing what exactly what you want to do. Cause you know, if you want to weld, you're not going to go out and buy <laughs> a bunch of tools, right. And just do it. Um, you're going to have to take a class or, you know, go online mm -hmm. and see how people are doing that. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so again, that was Alma with Pink Soul Studios, and her original episode was episode number 29. So if you really enjoyed this little uh, bit of clips from her episode, go ahead and head back to episode 29 to listen to the full interview with Alma. As with all the others, you will not regret it for sure. All right, so the last Maker Mom we have for our one-year anniversary podcast episode Greatest Hits is Brandy with Eternal Harvest uh, Decor or Designs. Sorry, Brandy. Eternal Harvest. Um, her original episode was episode 15. So here we go. Well, Brandy, thanks for agreeing to be a guest on the show. Of course. I'm so excited. This is yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and get started with just like a brief introduction of yourself, um, like what kinds of things you like to make and about your kids and stuff. Okay. Um, my name is Brandy and I'm a woodworker and I'm also a mom of three. I have three kids ranging from four to 12 in age. Um, I like to build anything I can really. I really love challenging myself. So I try lots of different things. But I mostly sell in my business, Eternal Harvest, I mostly sell tables and entryway tables, coffee tables, things like that, furniture around the house. So it's fun. Okay, great. And okay, so you have three kids, right? Yes. And what were their age ranges again? 12, 10, and 4. Okay. So decent, yeah. decent range there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been told it gets better as they get older and I'm, I'm hoping that stay is that true? <laughs> I keep crossing my fingers that that's the case even now. Like, let's, let's hope. I've got the teenage years ahead of me. So yeah. I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, all boys, girls? The boys? Um, my oldest, my 12 year old is a boy and then I have two girls. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. A nice mix. Yeah. Um, so let's go back a little ways here. What was your childhood like? Oh, that's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> um, so my childhood, let's see. I grew up in California, nice and warm weather. I live in Utah now, so I keep pining for that sunny weather during the wintertime. Um, but I grew up in California, and I was the oldest of three. And um, I 
went to public school in California. We moved around a lot. So when I was around 12, my mom pulled me out of public school and homeschooled me for the rest, um, which I really actually loved. I thought it was a great experience for myself. And um, then I graduated early. I graduated high school at 14 and started college pretty early, but I didn't go to college. At that time, it was called correspondence. At 14, my mom wasn't about to send me off. <laughs> be like, well, peace out. See you later. Um, so she kept me home for that as well. And I finished my associates early and then went on to get my doctorate in psychology. So that's kind of my history as far as um, educational. Educationally, I was a psychologist and that was my whole focus. And I referred my clients and stuff a few years ago to come home and raise my kids and homeschool my kids. So there's a fast forward version of my youth <laughs> into the present. Um, I don't know if there's more you're interested in, but. Well, um, especially with the, the homeschooling, did you get to maybe get more into a creative side at all? Absolutely. Or was it, I mean, Gosh, going from 12 to 14 and graduating high school already, it sounds like it was probably a pretty accelerated um, homeschool program, but was there, you know, a creative aspect there? Absolutely. And it was for sure accelerated. Um, but my mom was an entrepreneur. She was a programmer and she had started multiple businesses. And I kind of watched her for a long time um, bounce around and do things that she loved and things that um, brought out a creative side in her and things that she was passionate about. And I decided really early at a young age that I wanted passion. I wanted to find passion in my life in whatever facet, whatever way I could. That was something I really wanted to do. So I tried to focus and she helped me a little bit in this process, but I tried to focus on things that brought me joy and that got me excited and that I could just feel that spark, you know? And so I did learn that early on. And, and with homeschool, I had the freedom to kind of look around for things like that. And anything that gave me that spark, I could kind of hyper-focus on for a while. But I tend to do that for a minute and then I move on to something new. <laughs> that sounds interesting at the time or brings that spark again. So, but woodworking has not been that way. I've actually, I still love it. And I think it's enough of a challenge for me that the, it never gets boring. And it's actually the same with mental health. Those are the two things. Mental health work is always interesting because people are different and there's so many different kinds of people and different kinds of things that you can learn about someone and woodworking's the same way. And so anyway, um, all right. So how long have you been a maker and how did you kind of first get started, you know, with the woodworking? Yeah. So I've been woodworking for about four years now. And <clears throat> I think I kind of started the same way a lot of people on Instagram or that I've met in the field start. I was working full time as a therapist. I was a clinical director for a facility. Um, for a few years, for about four or five years. And we had only had two children at the time and knew that we wanted another one. And at that point, I wanted to be home with the two that we had. And I wanted to start homeschooling because that's kind of my history. And I, I felt like that would be a good choice for our family. And my husband did as well. So we discussed it. And I decided to refer all my clients and come home and be home. And as soon as I came home, we found out I was pregnant with my third. 
And so it was a good choice at that point because I have really rough pregnancies. I mean, like bedridden the entire time. So during that pregnancy, I had a lot of time to look around my house and my room <laughs> and kind of, uh, I don't know, obsess, if you will, over things that I wanted to see happen in the decor areas in my home, which sounds really surface, but that was the only thing that I had to distract my mind from. Um, from being pregnant and sick and getting depressed <laughs> while I was laying here. And so I started researching woodworking and pieces that I might want to try and make because we were missing my income now at this point. And I was like, well, if I want to change anything in this house, I'm going to have to figure it out on my own and figure out how to do it. So after my first came, I decided to build an entryway table for our front hall and I found a plan on Anna White um, that looked like something I could do. I had a circular saw and a drill and I went to town and in fact I don't like to tell people this but I used um, treated wood because I liked the way that it looked. I had no idea what was in it or if it was a good wood to use. I knew nothing at this point. And so I built this entryway table and it was huge, Katie, no joke. It was too big for the space. Again, I didn't know what I was doing. So we put it in the front hall and I was like, well, it's really pretty, but it's giant and it's too big for this space. But I had a lot of fun making it. So I put it up for sale and I sold it on Facebook pretty quickly. It was like within a week it was gone. And I was like, well, that was kind of fun. I, I think I might want to try and do that again. So I built another one for me, but at the same time, I built one that I could sell as well. And I sold that one pretty quick. And it kind of just snowballed, spiraled into this accidental business that I now have and love. And it's kind of fun to tell the story and to look back at I still have a picture of that first century way table and I sometimes look at it sitting because I took a picture in the space and I was, it just makes me giggle because it's like, it's just huge, but it was a learning experience and it was fun. Awesome. Um, was there anything that you feel like, was there any moment that you hesitated about going full business with this? Like every second. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, yeah, I, that first summer when I built and people started really requesting things and I started getting kind of my influx of custom orders, I was like, whoa, I don't know if this is what I want to do. This wasn't intended. I quit my job to be home with my kids and now I'm starting a business. Is this really what we had planned? And so my husband and I had to sit down and discuss this because I also needed an outlet mentally for me. Um, being a mom is everything to me. I enjoy it. I love it. But as most of us moms know, it is a giving job. It's a depleting job and we have to find creative ways to fill ourselves back up again. And it's different for everyone, I think. But for me, this was something that allowed me to take time for myself while still being here with my children and to do something that made me feel happy and fill that cup a little bit. And 
it's kind of funny because I joke, yes, I went to school to become a doctor so that I can build furniture in my garage. But honestly, there's something really special about that to me because these pieces that I'm building, they go home with somebody and they are part of their family for a while. And that means a lot to me. That's something that's really special. And it's a piece of me that gets to kind of go home with them, you know? So it was at that point that I realized no, this is okay. I want this to be a business and I want this to be something that I have and that I can contribute to our family and to myself. And we'll just go with it and see, and see what happens. And luckily my husband was on board. It took a little convincing, (laughs) but, but he's okay with it right now. And we've worked out a schedule so that it doesn't take me completely away because I'm also the type of personality that can totally immerse myself in that and forget about everything else so balance is key for me right now and he tends to remind me of that but anyway what what do you think or what do you feel has been maybe like one of the most challenging parts of running it as a business versus you know as solely that outlet that creative outlet for yourself I think the biggest challenge is just that, maintaining balance and remembering its purpose. Because when I think of it as solely a business, um, I lose that piece that fills me up. It becomes more of a task. It becomes less of something that I love. And so if I can maintain the balance and hold my boundaries with, with customers and with how much I'm willing to take on at a time and um, allow myself a little bit of creativity and not get stuck in producing one thing, you know, then I think I'm able to maintain that balance and still, but that's been a big challenge. And every year I kind of have to, about this time in winter, when I shut down and I reassess the situation, I go, okay, what am I going to do this year to help myself, you know, maintain that and still hold on to that piece that I love and the reason I started woodworking in the first place, you know, so. Um, so how do you manage being such an, you know, an active mom, especially if you're homeschooling and a maker and running your own business all at the same time? Do I manage it? I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Um, that's a hard question. And I've been asked that question quite a few times and I honestly, I don't know. I think that a schedule is very helpful for me and my family. And we kind of all know what's expected of us throughout the day. My kids are very uh, self-driven, which is really nice. So I can give them a list of things they need to do throughout the day and they'll, they'll take care of that. And luckily with woodworking, I can pop out into the shop for half an hour. And if they need me, they know where I'm at, you know? And so that's helpful. Um, But again, I think a lot of it is awareness. I think, taking the time to take a look at life and every few days, every few weeks, every few months, whatever it is you need to do and, and making sure that you're getting those pieces in that are really important to you. And for me, that's something that I've been trying to do a little more often lately because things can take, I I allow things to take over very easily. My husband calls it work creep. 
I suffer from work creep because the second I start, it just creeps on up and takes over everything. And I'm so excited about a build or I'm so excited about something that's going on. And that's all I want to talk about and do. I'm sure it drives him crazy, but he's a good sport. Um, anyway, so I think just being able to stop and take a look at things and, okay, am I doing the things that are really important to me? Am I taking care of myself? And I've also noticed that I'm a little bit of a sprinter in that I will sprint and finish a whole bunch of things really fast and then I'm depleted and I need to take a week off. And then I stop building for a week and I spend time with my family and myself. Sometimes I just Netflix binge and take you know a day and build myself back up till I have energy again. And then I'll sprint again, you know, it'll happen again. But I have to allow myself those downtimes. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, I think that's um, very good advice, right? Um, kind of like the whole analogy too of like, put your, the plane is crashing, put your mask on first, make sure you can Absolutely. Um, have enough energy to tackle everything. Make sure you can breathe. Yes. <laughs> Very important. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, and I think you've probably answered this a little bit already, but what is your favorite part about being a maker? <clears throat> My favorite part about being a maker. Yeah. I think I touched on it a little bit is that I can put my heart and soul into a piece, which I do pretty much with every single piece. There's something about creating something from nothing and it takes on a piece of you. And I can do that with something and give it to someone else and they get to take it home and it becomes part of their family and their everyday life. Even something as simple as a side table or an entry table that doesn't seem very important, um, it will be there. It will be in their home they will look at it every single day. And I like to put up videos too when I'm making a piece. And I've found that my customers follow along and it means a little bit more to them when they can see the process of me hand making an item for them. And they choose the colors, they choose the design and they get to bring that into their family. And that's just really special to me. Um, along with the creation part of that where I get to be alone with myself and create something. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the alone and creation part are key. Mm -hmm. Um, I find it very grounding, you know, like you, I can get definitely once I start something, I can, it kind of becomes meditative sometimes and I can lose all track of time. Um, absolutely. (laughs) In that task that I'm working on. Yeah, absolutely. And as a therapist, it's really funny. You probably dabbling in psychology, you probably know a little bit about this. But with people who have severe anxiety and depression, a lot of the therapy includes mindfulness activities. And when you're doing a mindfulness activity, it's about being present and using your body to ground yourself to your surroundings. What is better than woodworking? (laughs) Like that is the exact description of woodworking, right? And then there's the little piece of creativity, but you have to focus. You can't be thinking about what you're doing this week while you're cutting a piece. Like you have to be in the present moment. And so for me, I deal with a little bit of anxiety and it has definitely become that mindfulness piece for me, for sure. And and I too definitely have um, 
anxiety, you know, and um, have had depression in the past. So it's definitely, um, and, and it's to a point more, mostly to like, if I go too long, without going in the shop, like I'm cranky <laughs> and I'm just yes. not in a good mood, Yes, <laughs> you know? Yes. So it's, yes. it's something, even if it's just 30 minutes of like sanding, like I used to, not, sanding's still not my favorite, but I have, I'm starting to learn like the meditative, pro, you know, um, benefits of it, of just being able to focus on what I'm doing and, um, and watching the grain and appreciating all of that about it. Um, now, when I have a huge table to sand, I might not be as appreciative of it, but um, standing, is, I understand. <laughs> standing is my least favorite thing to do. So I've started a new thing called sand dancing. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes, I have. <laughs> you should give that a shot. You know, it's a little helpful. It makes it a little more fun. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So do you have any words of wisdom for um, other moms out there who, you know, have an interest in doing something creative and how to, how to do that? <laughs> words of wisdom. That's always like the pressure phrase. Words of wisdom. <laughs> how about words of encouragement? Is that? There you go. I like that. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think for me, I would say just do it, research it, look at it, feel like you kind of, kind of understand what it is you want to try and just try. Don't be afraid to fail. I cannot tell you how many times I fail in a day all the time. And that's a part of it. That's a part of creation. That's a part of learning. That's a part of life. And we can love our failures and the things we learn from our failures as much as we do our successes. And so I would say just be willing to fail and give it a shot. All right. Again, that was Brandy with Eternal Harvest. And uh, if you want to hear her full interview, which was awesome like all the rest, that was episode 15 originally. So go back and check out that full interview. And thank you again to all of the amazing and awesome and talented, hardworking maker moms out there that uh, gave some of their time to me this year to let me interview them and learn more about their stories and to share those stories with you guys. Thank you so very much. Um, truly heartfelt and probably one of the best parts of my day of my week when I get to do one of these interviews and uh, talk shop and talk, talk momming with um, these amazing women. All right. So make sure that you are following along with Maker Mom Podcast on Instagram. That's just at Maker Mom Podcast. Also, uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or any other uh, server or app that you're using to listen to this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe and if possible, leave a review so other people can find this podcast and we can get these stories out into the world to more and more people because these are, of course, amazing women and uh, I love sharing their stories with you and with as many people as we can get to listen. Um, one last thing before the end of this one year anniversary show, 
Um, we are at uh, seven patrons right now over on Patreon for the Maker Mom podcast. And like I said at the start of this episode, I do want to offer some new and awesome things coming up in this new year of the show. Um, so one of those things that I would really like to offer is additional content to those of you who are patrons. So if we can get up to 15 patrons, then I will start throwing in an after show with these amazing maker moms, which means, you know, there will be the regular one hour podcast, and then there will be another 15 to 20 minutes of additional fun, quirky stuff we can ask them uh, that will be an after show, kind of the after party that will be over on Patreon for patrons. So at seven let's get up to 15 if you don't know how to get to patreon or don't know much about it if you're following along with maker mom podcast on instagram at maker mom podcast link in the bio hit join the tribe if you're not um, on instagram still enjoying the podcast want to check out patreon you can go to um, patreon.com and that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash maker mom podcast and find us that way too all right thank you again very humbled uh, and very grateful to all of you who have been listening to the show for a year now and uh, looking forward to the next year so thank you and have a great weekend bye thank you for listening to the maker mom podcast you can connect with the maker mom community in the facebook group page maker moms and remember if you enjoyed listening to this episode please subscribe leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.